I believe that closes out old business, and I would like to introduce a motion to start the podcast. Uh, all four say aye. 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 All right, the eyes have it, and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's Perplexed John. And together, we're Henry and Perplexed John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist can opening noise. I don't have any cans. I forgot my cans this week. That's fine. I've got more than enough cans for the both of us. Hopefully my talker doesn't get too dry. Do You don't have any sort of uh, whistle wetter? That sounds terrible. Yeah, I, I have no... <laughs> I have no parch parch curing uh parchment when someone is <laughs> when someone's parched have they reached a state of parchment yes yes the parchment is real when you are parched uh oh. yes I have nothing I have no liquid uh so this is going to be interesting uh every I just want to assure the podcast listeners every liquid you hear me speaking through from here on out will be saliva okay <laughs> okay that's an interesting thought that the listener now has to deal with for the rest of the episode and potentially the rest of their lives amazing Wow. Uh, for the first time in a while, John, we're not rushed to try to get a guest on. So let's just take a moment and enjoy the slow, luxurious pace of our podcast. Yes, we don't have to listen to their plugs or their inane little yammer, yammer, yammers. <laughs> don't drag them. We don't have to deal with their schedules. Oh, yeah. It's nice to be able to, to do things uh, on our own. But I really enjoyed having guests. We should do that more. Yeah, absolutely. To the degree that I I think that it would be like a, a great regular feature of the podcast. Yeah, it would be great if we could regularly feature guests. Yeah, I, I, would, I would be a big fan. Maybe, I don't know, replace... I'm just going to say me with Allison, uh, you with Andrew. Just have Allison and Andrew on our podcast? Yeah, just switch out the roles, you know. That's, that's not having guests, that's giving someone else <laughs> the reins to our podcast. What's a, a permanent guest, perhaps? <laughs> You're just talking about replacing the two hosts of the show. It's like on SNL when they say, and featuring, but those people can stay on the cast for years, but never get moved up for some reason to the Cecily Strongs and the Chloe Feynmans of the world. I don't know why that happens, anyway. Uh, it's up to Lauren Michaels' uh, discretion. Well, apparently Lauren Michaels doesn't like to do that to any comedians from Texas. I don't follow... And, and it seems like, Henry, it seems like people continue to be in the featuring or also featuring if they're, let's say, from places that aren't New York or L.A. If anyone's from Texas, they just kind of live and die in the also featuring. I don't know why that is. Who is Maybe this? Lauren Michaels loves, he, he loves the, he loves New York too much. Who's from Texas? I forget his name. Oh, okay. He's not in the main bill, so I don't remember what his name is. Oh, I don't know who you're talking about. Are you talking about 
Are you talking about the monkey that attacked somebody on Halloween? <laughs> oh, you mean the monkey of pole assassin? Yeah, the monkey of pole assassin who belongs to the girlfriend of a, a, a coach for the Texas Longhorns? Am I remembering this correctly? Do, do we actually want to get into this? Absolutely not, but it is okay. funny. Uh, yes, the a coach. I don't even know if he's the main coach. He's probably a, a, a side coach. Like they got so many different coaches. Yeah, the special teams coach for the Texas Longhorns there left his wife for a uh, a stripper named Pole Assassin who has a pet monkey that helps her in her act. And yes, they confirmed that the monkey did bite a child in their Halloween maze, but Pole Assassin did later confirm that it is, in fact, an emotional support monkey. Well, I'm glad it emotionally supports her. However, most emotional support animals do not end up biting children in Halloween mazes. Yeah, I can tell. De- I can tell you one person that this monkey certainly did not emotionally support. That child, the child that it bit. Yeah, the child that it bit. What a fascinating name, Pole Assassin. I appreciate it. I really do. Yeah, you know, I guess I haven't thought of names for dancers lately or ever. Uh, but in the media, it's always like some type of candy or some type of alcoholic beverage or cinnamon or something. <laughs> yeah, every time it's always like Star Dancer, Candy Crush, Peggle. <laughs> Microsoft's Peggle. <laughs> yeah, Microsoft's Peggle uh, has an emotional support boa constrictor. Wow. Well, you know, in that line of work, I feel like you you – you take what, whatever emotional support you can get because you're certainly not getting it from society at large. I just think that it's a shame that they're holding the uh, ownership of the monkey against Pole Assassin. Uh, because as we're all intimately aware, uh, all sex workers are bonded to one random animal for life. Uh, right. that, that happens at... Uh, during their adolescence, the yeah. animal comes to them, yes. and then that's just their animal. Yeah, this the inspiration for the His Dark Material series, Damons. Of course, everybody knows this. Everybody knows this. His Dark Materials is about sex work. This is not, to be clear, this is not like the sex that the Navi have with those birds in no, the movie Avatar. Wait. I thought they just have sex of trees. They have sex with their little head tentacles, but they also hook up their little head tentacles to those birds. Right. Avatar is a weird movie, right? It's not like that. It's It's not like that. It's different. It's his dark materials. It's not James Cameron's Avatar. Yeah, they don't. There's no sexual connection between the sex worker and the animal that they're bonded to life for with. Exactly. It, it is purely platonic. Yeah, it's support, emotional support in the in the form of a soul-bonded animal. Now, of course, uh, you know, demerits to Pole Assassin because it is known that you do not put uh, your emotional support sex work bonded familiar animal into a dark maze. Especially a corn maze? I'm guessing this was a corn maze. 
I actually think it was like a weird cardboard maze outside oh. of their house, but I'm not a hundred percent. I don't know. Just just a weird occurrence. Just just such a weird thing that happened this past Halloween. Uh, among a lot of the other weird things that happened this past Halloween in Texas alone. Oh. This is not a story I would want to make light of, but a 35-year-old Buda woman pulled a gun on a 7-year-old trick-or-treater who was outside of her house. What? Yeah, this happened in uh, Buda, Texas, which is south of Austin. And uh, the kid, you might imagine, you might imagine him close to her door, knocking, as it were. Uh, That could not be further from the truth. He was merely walking with a group of children on the sidewalk past her house, not even in her yard. Uh, Was this uh, child trick-or-treating? Absolutely. He was seven years old. He was trick-or-treating with a group and was not in any way, shape, or form, um, what's the word, provoking this kind of behavior. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I can't imagine any situation in which a seven-year-old would be provoking uh, someone to point a a gun at them. What was this lady's uh, deal? That's the one thing I could not find. Um, I could not find sort of any motivation or provocation that would cause her to to pull a gun on a seven-year-old kid. Uh, all I know is that police were literally on the scene in minutes because they were post up at the end of the street for pre- just regular patrolling and making sure everybody's having a good time on Halloween. And they were able to, to contain the situation without escalating or uh, anyone getting hurt. Uh, well, that's good. I just can't imagine. I know nothing of Buda other than sometimes I take my dog there. Yeah, no, I was really surprised because I clicked on a a headline in a place that wasn't even remotely connected to Austin uh, when I saw Texas woman pulls gun on child. And lo and behold, am I surprised to see, you know, how news stories put the location first and caps lock. Mm -hmm. I was surprised to see Buda, Texas. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, yeah, our neighbors to the south. I think it's the south. It might actually be the west. Southwest. South, because it's like Hayes County and yeah. like San Marcos is in Hayes County, right? You gotta, yeah, you got to pass through Buda to get to like San Antonio eventually, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, our neighbors to the southwest, uh, maybe maybe keep a tighter lid on your guns? Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, just throwing this out there, maybe don't point guns at seven-year-olds. Maybe don't point guns at anybody. You know, I I like don't point guns on anybody, but I feel like a a really big clause of that is like especially seven-year-olds. Like, come on. Yeah, it's like a a normal distribution, right? Like the people you should aim guns at the least are the youngest and the oldest. Right, because on all likelihood, they're not doing anything to, to threaten you, you know? I mean, maybe. A, a child somewhere is plotting our demise, John. <laughs> you know, they say the woman pointed a gun at a child, but did they say if the child had a gun? <laughs> I'm no. just saying, I'm just saying, it's number one, it's Texas, but also if the kid had a gun, this never would have happened. Oh my God. 
Yeah. Um, Only a good child with a gun can stop a bad <laughs> adult with a gun. I hate this. <laughs> it's funny, though. It's very funny. It's I hate it. It's true. Yeah. Just true. Uh, but Texas, unfortunately, to transition a little bit and to connect to what we were talking earlier about um, pornography, mm-hmm. <laughs> in regard of the Navi having sex with those birds, uh-huh. uh, connecting it to Texas, uh, our governor, Governor Abbott, calls for the removal of pornography in Texas schools by removing some library books, John. Oh boy, this is uh, this. I I I don't think this is like an emblematic uh, part of fascism at all, right? No, banning books, banning uh, the the transfer of knowledge and new ideas, absolutely not. Yeah, hallmark of a free thinking society. Right, right. Um. Uh. So and, and you know, I I saw the clickbaity headline and I was like, pornography in schools. Pshaw! What what books could they possibly, you know, want to ban? And I, I found a list, and you'll be excited to know, John, that I'm sending you the list. Oh yes! So we can read through together. Uh, the first thing you might notice about this list, John, is it contains 800 books. Uh, that is a lot of books. Hold uh, they, on. Okay, that, I've got it up. Okay, they they are uh, sorted alphabetically by the year they were published for some reason. I guess if you have to <laughs> arrange a, a list of 800 books, th- I guess this is a way to do it. Uh, but go ahead and just look at that first page and see if anything sticks out to you. Yeah, I'm really surprised. Uh, I'm now, really surprised I, I, with the, the first entry for sure. Yeah, so let's remember that uh, Governor Abbott said he wants to remove pornography from the schools by removing 800 books. And then the very first book title on this list is 2020 Black Lives Matter Marches by Joyce L. Markovics. Yes, and of course, uh, not too far down the list is Black Lives Matter from Hashtag to the Streets by Artica R. Tyner. Uh, Have I ever told you Black Lives Matter? Protesting police violence in modern America, race and policing in modern America, race in the media in modern America, racial justice in America. Lots of pornos. What is the Black Lives Matter movement? What is white privilege? Hashtag Black Lives Matter protesting racism. A good kind of trouble. A home for goddesses and dogs. <laughs> oh, interesting. But of course, you know, uh, it's not to say that uh, they are not uh, wide-ranging with their bigotry. Uh, beyond the gender binary is on here as well. Yes. Uh, if you scroll to the second page, um, you'll see uh, even more the fight for LGBTQ plus rights. Um the new Jim Crow, mass incarceration, the age of color blindness, they, she, he, easy as ABC, Jane against the world, Roe v. Wade, and the fight for reproductive rights, understanding gender. Oh boy! Oh, V for vendetta. V for vendetta. Ah, <laughs> oh, fascinating. You know, I, I wonder, I wonder if there's any kind of message that people could take away from V for vendetta. I don't. No. Gender equality. Gender queer. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale. Uh, the graphic not... novel, specifically. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Laura Dern. Oh, Laura Dean. <laughs> I thought it was a Laura Dern book. I got very excited. That uh, that would be really funny if it was Laura Dern. Uh, here's an African-American and Latinx history of the United States. Just really pornographic stuff here. I mean, they. it really just looks like they did like a control F because a book from 1964, Abortion and the Politics of Motherhood. My favorite, there's a book that's just called What's Racism? That apparently, you can look up racism in the in the dictionary, but a book called What's Raci- Racism, that's too inappropriate for Texas schools. I also like that one of the earliest books from 1976, uh, Why Am I So Miserable If These Are the Best Years of My Life, A Survival Guide for the Young Woman. I like to believe that was just included because they did a control F for the word woman, and just to be safe, they tried to <laughs> get rid of all of those. Throw some, yeah, throw some women in there. Uh, here's a book that maybe a teen might look at while they can't turn to anywhere else. My Girlfriend's Pregnant, A Teen's Guide to Becoming a Dad. Well, you know, you got to get rid of that. Well, what's great about this book is so Texas passed their god awful abortion ban bill law thing and just, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, made illegal. What's that word? Uh, outlawed. I outlawed. found it. They outlawed legal abortions or, or safe abortions. And so a teen who is facing the reality that there's no way out of a, of a surprise pregnancy might need a resource about what he should expect when he impregnates his girlfriend at a young age. Uh, but no, we shouldn't give him that resource. And we should, you know, he's an adult, right? He's had sex. He's going to be a dad. Why would he need to read a book? Yeah, I mean, he's just entered the most visceral part of the uh, Texas conservative pipeline, which is once you get someone pregnant, you're fucked. Right. Uh, also, interestingly on here, Cider House Rules and Thumbelina, a novel, have both... Thumbelina is too... <laughs> Thumbelina's too much. Oh, no. That's stupid. Thumbelina is a... Oh, wow. Wonder Woman unbound the curious history of the world's most famous heroine that might be about the the creator's bondage fetish <laughs> so i'm surprised that this doesn't go all the way back and they just banned uh w somerset moms of human bondage from the early 1900s why didn't they do that apparently uh, pornography stopped in 1969 oh okay uh, uh, most, um, another interesting tidbit, there are multiple books on this this proposed ban list that are just the word abortion. Yeah, the, fascinating. Teenage sexuality, reproductive rights, the book Crush, bioethics, who, lo- who lives, who dies. <laughs> How evil do you have to be to put this book on your proposed ban list? Amnesty Internationals, we are all born free. Oh, wait. This, that's fucked up. Right? That's really fucked up. You're uh, going to ban a book from an international organization trying to, to free prisoners of war and, and make sure no one gets abused? Man, this is, 
truly ghastly. Now, I know that this is probably a novel from 2007, Parrot Fish, by <laughs> Ellen Whitlinger, but I like to imagine it's just a book about the parrot fish. That would be funny if it was just... <laughs> they... <laughs> Somebody looked at the title Parrotfish and they're like, God wouldn't combine two <laughs> animals. This is an abomination. <laughs> they got to do it. They got to do it to them. Now, here's an interesting book. There's just so many interesting little nuggets here. Um, there's a This is a book title. I'm not advocating for this book because I don't know anything about it. Sex. If you're scared of the truth, don't read this. Straight talk from a former U.S. Marine. I'm sorry. You know, if there's one group of people, if there's one group of very emotionally and physically well-adjusted people that I would like to take advice from uh, when it comes to my sexual relationships as a teenager, gotta be the U.S. Marines. But like who if we're banning books from the Marines, who's left? What what groups are out there that these people will accept? <laughs> well, here here's the problem. That's a sex marine. It's a sex marine? That sex marine gone. Uh if if Outta you're here. tainted, everyone knows that our beautiful boys in blue and green are celibate uh blue-eyed statues who have never done anything wrong. Right. They uh, don't I, even have genitals. We all know this. This Marine turned to the dark side in that he had sex. I don't understand how he's allowed to live. He's just so useful to them. He's so good at killing. I, the more I look at this list, and I know all I'm doing is just finding more and more things to be aghast about, but John, it doesn't stop. Here's, here's something I just read and I honestly cannot believe is on this list. Uh, Esther Herzog's 2008 book, Life, Death, and Sacrifice, Women and Family in the Holocaust. I gotta tell you, they really did a control F for women and women. Yeah, for, for sure. Where, just recently, somewhere in, the, in this country, someone tried to say we need to teach both sides of the Holocaust? And I feel like putting this book specifically on this list is like, I don't know. It's like, oh, well, we're not going to teach the other side. We shouldn't teach any sides. And that, to me, is like a fundamental educational sort of, what's the word? Cardinal sin. I feel like the side that we should teach is the right one. Right. Is is the morally defensible one? Maybe let's not try to understand where the side that killed 6.8 million people, regardless of anything else, just killing that number of people specifically. Uh, maybe we shouldn't try to understand where they were coming from. I mean, you got to think it discounts your opinion on some level. Now, of course, my favorite book uh has been banned by this list and that is uh jessica herthel's 2014 masterpiece i am jazz (laughs) jazz is too provocative they don't stick to the notes as written john playing jazz and improvising is just as dangerous as sex it's i mean jazz is the sex of music it's true jazz fucks it does. 
It's proud of it. I this list. I know we're having our fun. This list makes me very sad. No, I'm I'm extremely sad. But just to make a joke, uh, there's a 2004 book called Geography Club, and I just I am puzzled about what about Geography Club could warrant it being on this list. Oh, you've never read Geography Club? No. Is it is geography? Oh, is it like Fight Club? Oh, it's filthy. I can't even talk about it. All right. I'm very curious, and I wonder if this is going to work. I'm going to control F, just the word abortion. And uh, apparently it comes up 35 times in this list. Okay. And most of them are just literally, there are books just with titled the word abortion. A woman comes up four times. Women comes up six times. This is interesting. Uh, Let's see. Let's just... Do some LGB and just see, you know, yeah, that comes up 14 times. You know how many times the word men in isolation comes up? Tell me. Three times. That is very, uh, as the kids would say, sus. Pretty, pretty sus, sis. The word straight also comes up three times. Uh, (laughs) Two times it is an author. Uh, the word black comes up 15 times. Let's let's check for white. Uh, white comes up 12 times. Okay, that's fair. Uh, me and white supremacy combat racism, change the world, and become a good ancestor. Yeah, that seems too dangerous for kids, right? And uh, to be fair, white comes up, honestly, 10 times. Two of those are authors. Uh, one of them is a book called White Rabbit, so nine times. Okay, great. And the rest, oh, Morris McWhite, that, that might be one of the authors you're talking about. Uh, yeah, so uh, not enough times, basically. <laughs> yes, uh, for a list that is replete with abortion, black, woman, women, etc., uh, it's somewhat telling, but I don't think anyone needed to tell you uh, what the content of this list would be. And, and so you know, this group is being, a, you know, they're 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 doing the the bargaining negotiation thing. So they they named a number that they don't expect to get, but even just like half or a third of these books being banned would still be way too many. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a single book being banned is awful. Uh, books are necessary ways to transmit information. Banning them is uh, Nazi shit. Yeah, no, for real. Uh, I, to be straight, uh, and I mean, well, th- that's problematic language. Uh, to to be normal. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> um, in plain speak, I just want to say uh, I never agree with the banning of any book. Uh, just because, like, if you if you are a school, your job is to educate, and that means teaching things you don't agree with. If it g- rounds out the worldview of the of the people you're teaching, like it, you don't ha- as a teacher, you don't have to agree with anything that you're teaching as long as you you're getting the ideas across. It's not a place for bias. It's not a place for inserting judgment. And it's definitely not a place of deeming what is right and what is wrong, what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. That's not up to the schools. Uh, That's an issue that I have 
with the like both sidesism about the Holocaust. Yeah, uh, because people are saying that you should teach both sides of it, but every history class that I've ever been a part of does, as a matter of fact, pretty objectively tell both sides of the story. Uh, in that there was intense economic turmoil in Germany. Exactly. There was a really charismatic guy, and there was a uh, pretty well-developed and resentful far-right-wing movement in the country. And it made the worst atrocities in human history happen. And right. I, I think that anyone who's arguing we should teach more of that is just saying, we're not charitable enough to that far-right-wing movement that caused the death of basically 7 million people. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I- exactly. The way I've always been taught it is not understanding the motivations, but understanding the historical context that paved the way for some of the most egregious atrocities in human history. Yeah, I I mean, I, I think that for the most part, uh, that part of history is pretty well documented as far as the like economic cause. I don't know. There's there's some like hey geography about uh, America in that war and not talking about all the war crimes we did. Uh, or just hey, the that's straight... what a people's history of the United States is for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the straight, uh, it, 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 I can't, the complete, not straight, the complete ignoring of the plight of people who are being rounded up and murdered and just going, that's not happening. It's very silly. Why would, why would a guy who we put, who Time Magazine put as man of the year, person of the year, why would he be doing that? We don't understand in America. We're going to continue selling guns to both sides. Yeah, I mean, without uh, without serious pressures, I doubt we really would have entered the war uh, because we liked that guy. Yeah, song is praises. It's, uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, speaking of Nazis, don't ban books, Texas. Yeah, let's not ban books and let's not dictate what kids can and can't learn. Because banning these books in all reality won't do much. You know, kids, if they're going to find the information, they're going to find it on the Internet anyway. And you're not going to ban things from the Internet. We're not we're not China. Which, I mean, that's only been so successful. Uh, But also, like, banning books, banning books... Do you think any kid reads? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for real. This is not the transmission medium through which your children are picking up radical and frequently correct belief structures. Uh, yeah, the, the only way this is relevant, if like somebody checks out a book and then starts reading it over TikTok to a, to a, um, what are kids listening to? I don't know. I'm old. To a beat. <laughs> They're listening to uh, No Children by the Mountain Goats, apparently. Oh, what? I don't know what that, that is. is. That, uh, apparently that song by the Mountain Goats is really blowing up on TikTok right now. As of a week ago. I'm 30. Random things blow up on TikTok. Like the Strawberries, Berries, and Cream commercial from like 2006 blew up on TikTok for some reason. You know, I would like to make a case for, and I may get a TikTok eventually, but I'd like to make a case for not having a TikTok but not being bitter about it because it's yeah. like having a delightful language you don't speak. 
No, I, I so I don't have a TikTok account, but I some of the content that comes out of TikTok is really, really good. Yeah, I, I think that there's if stuff bubbles up from TikTok and I see I'm like, that's very good. But like not delving into TikTok itself, it's just kind of this like background radiation where people are talking about things. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I'm happy that you like it. Absolutely. Allow people to enjoy things. Don't ban books. And don't don't just ruin anyone's good time. Yeah, if you can help it. Don't yuck other people's yum, as it were. And to that end, uh, this transitions kind of perfectly into the next topic. Uh, John, are you familiar with the phrase, let's go, Brandon? I am not. Uh, okay, so this is one of those things that I saw on Twitter and I saw that it was part of a thread, and I don't have time for Twitter threads anymore. Right. So I've seen the phrase. I have no idea where it originated from, what it means, or what dangerous fringe groups it empowers. It, so it seems like an innocuous phrase, right? It, it's just enthusiasm for somebody named Brandon. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and if that were true, then uh, this sentence wouldn't be true Two, uh, this comes from CNN. Uh, on Friday night, a Southwest Airlines pilot allegedly said, "Let's go, Brandon!" over the plane intercom, causing a stir on board and prompting an investigation by the airline. Okay, why would this be true? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. This was the is... plane full of people who maybe aren't fans of Brandon. So here's the thing. And this is something that I had to wrestle with uh, because uh, I saw this phrase in real life written on in car paint on the back of a, like an SUV here in Austin. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I had to look it up because I was like there was no – there was no – normally on a car like that, you would see like uh, like the number or like a team name, state championships or something like that. Like, I've seen that before, but this had nothing. Just, let's go, Brandon. Come on, man. And that was it. So that prompted me to look it up. Uh, But to continue the CNN uh, article, um, the Associate Press, which had a reporter on board the flight, first reported that a pilot of a Friday flight from Houston to Albuquerque ended his typical greeting to passengers with the phrase, let's go, Brandon, which has become right-wing code. For fuck Joe Biden. Oh, boy. The reporter said passengers responded with audible gasps, which means this was a very savvy plane. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like a savvy plane because this has completely eluded me. Let me take a second to really take it to the far right in that they've even taken away my one joy in life, which is saying fuck Joe Biden. Yeah, they're wow. co-opting that. They're co-opting the one opinion I have. It, it, you know what's funny is you, you, we flash back to the Obama administration and like the, the the code was like thanks Obama, which was kind of like uh what's ironic, like you would say it sarcastically mm-hmm. and then like Obama co-opted it and and then kind of ended that whole meme. Um, but now they're they're resorting to like secret dog whistle phrases. Eh, something the right has done a lot of, but this one's particularly baroque. 
Right. Um, so here's the thing. Where does this chant come from? Um, the origin of the chant, and it's not so hidden meaning, appears to be a NASCAR race in Alabama in early October. Oh, Inter- so that is, this is, by the way, NASCAR races are super spreader events for uh, violent ideology. Um. You're probably right. I haven't I haven't done the math. A NASCAR race, it's shaped like a petri dish for a reason. It's just where all the bad parts of society grow. Interesting. I don't know anything about NASCAR. Lightning McQueen, is he real? No. No, he's a cartoon? Yes, he is a cartoon. Dale Earnhardt was real. He's the one who died. Yes. In a fire? Uh, yes, and so did Shouldn't Lightning Shouldn't be McQueen. making jokes about this man. <laughs> uh, Lightning McQueen also died. The car? The cartoon. He's dead? Dead. Never seen it. So how did we get here? Uh, the or- I already read that sentence. Uh, interviewing the winner, a driver named Brandon Brown, a reporter for NBC Sports referred to chants coming from the crowd. As you can hear the chants from the crowd, the reporter said to Brown, let's go, Brandon, except that's not what the crowd was chanting. Ah, NASCAR. Uh, There's a link. People can listen to it yourself here. Um, I have not clicked this link. Uh, Should I click this and send this to you so we can both hear it? Uh, Sure. It's uh, the link is to a tweet. Uh, I will send you the link, and we can both listen to it and make judgments for ourselves. I think it's gonna say Laurel or Yanny. Remember that from like eight years ago? Yeah, blue dress. Okay, here we go. Listening now. Okay. It is fucking clear. <laughs> it is very clearly fuck Joe Biden. Clear as day. It, it, they are chanting fuck Joe Biden. Uh, the poor reporter, maybe, you know, not hearing it, just trying to do her job. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yes. So she said, let's go, Brandon. They're saying fuck Joe Biden. And now let's go, Brandon is one of those unfunny Republican memes. Yeah. I mean, that's all, that's all Republican memes. This is, this is an issue that I have and have had, uh, with the democratic establishment for some time, uh, which is, I cannot imagine how poorly they are going to handle the proliferation of the dog whistle of, uh, fuck you. Let's go. Brandon. Uh, fuck you, Brandon. Fuck you, Brandon. Um, but I can't imagine how badly they're going to mishandle this. They're going to, like, put out some shirts. Oh, it's um, already happened. They're going to put out some shirts for, like, $35, and the shirts are like, Let, let's friend, Biden. It's going to be like, yeah, let's go, Biden. Like, they're, they're absolutely going to fuck this up. And let me tell oh. you. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. Please. So no, I'm sorry. You're saying the Democrats aren't going to spin this away correctly. Absolutely not, because okay. the 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 only way, the best way to do this 
if you became it. aware of this, I don't think it's to ignore it. I think it's to get lame ass Joe Biden on television, have him say, let's, let's go, go Brandon. Brandon. And it dies. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah. So what I was referring to is the right has leaned whole hoggedly. Is that problematic? No, I think that's a great way to describe them. The whole animal. <laughs> All the in. hogs are in on it. Uh, and um, including some behavior that I think would I would deem inappropriate and put on a ban list, including uh, Florida Rep Bill Posey ending a speech on the House floor late last month with the phrase, South Carolina Rep Jeff Duncan wore a mask on the House floor and blazoned with it, with it as well. And, of course, uh, Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, noted, has, noted hero Ted Cruz. Yeah, noted hero of the Texas Freeze, Ted Can Cruz. Okay, I can't make a meme out of that. Can Cruz um, is pretty good. Can Cruz? Can Cruz is actually quite good. All right, Can Cruz. Uh, he has been quoted as saying, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> of course. Of course he would say that. This is Ted, no- notable for Ted Cruz, who frequently gets in fights with comedians, yeah. which might might signal to us watching from the outside that he is not the best judge of what is funny. I think there's maybe something missing in that. I, I think whoever quoted him was maybe doing him a solid uh by saying by not saying uh ted cruz stated that's the funniest thing i've ever seen while beef jerky was falling out of his pockets and he was making grunting noises trying to pick it all up (laughs) and then he got really flustered and he started crying a little bit and then he threw up on his own crotch right right and this was all after while not defending his wife in a public setting yeah his his wife was being attacked by a dog while this happened he he stopped to bend over to to pick up the slices of bacon, not wrapped in a napkin or anything. Just, just they were just hanging out in his Wranglers, just hanging out in his Wranglers that he's only wearing for a campaign spot because he's trying to appeal to a demographic that thought he died five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, kudos to that reporter for not capturing Ted Cruz uh, at his normal self. There's no way. I mean, it's going to die anyway, because the thing that the the right does is that every time it has anything, which, to be clear, their anything is the worst, most unfunny, stupid shit. Because these people are dumb. It's the lowest bar. It's because these people are dumb. They're dumb, dumb, dumb. So they're going to run it into the ground endlessly for the next 10 years However, mainstream will move on to something else. And, and like the, what I really love is people are like, oh, where, where was this? this? Somebody was quoted as saying like the Amer- – oh, here it is. Uh, on Thursday, Republican Jeff Duncan sporting that mask was saying the American people are furious. And so they're using this let's go Brandon thing to be like people are mad. Bitch, if people were mad, they would just be saying fuck that dude outright. They wouldn't be using dog whistles. They wouldn't be being cute or clever. Like all of us who didn't like Trump just said, fuck Trump. Like that was our battle cry. Like we didn't need to disguise it because we were actually furious. Biden has done nothing to be mad about. 
that might be worth getting mad about. But <laughs> yes, I would agree. But like, no, the people aren't furious. They just it's tribalism. They're mad because their side didn't win. And now they have to they have to, like, watch nothing happen. And whereas I mean, nothing was happening before, but at least their side won. It's it's like soccer. It's just a, it's just a cowardly little joke they're telling themselves. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, there's kind of two places. Let go, let's go, Brandon could go. One, which is I think the one you do is when, if you take any of these and you just speak them into the ether, they die. <laughs> like if you get Joe Biden up there and just have him. He doesn't address it seriously. He makes a joke out of it. He says it at the end of a speech or something. Yeah. Dead. Instantly dead. Because no one can think it's cool. Democrats can't think it's cool. No. Conservatives can't think it's cool. But then the other thing, which is what it's going to do now, which is not a preferred outcome, but it is still fine, is it's going to do the same thing that all the shit that these stupid motherfuckers have ever done as comedy does, which is it lives with them and in them and affects no one else and just slowly spirals into its own weird Wojak, Soyjack, Pepe mutation where they just share it back and forth, but then like the second a real person sees it, they're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, for real. Because, like, yeah, if you're hiding coded messages and people, it's not becoming mainstream, it, it becomes an inside joke that gains no traction. And, and the fact that it's so innocuous, Joe Biden could say, let's go branded in full support of that driver. And people would be like, oh, that's weird. Maybe Joe Biden's into NASCAR. And then that's the end of the, like you said, that would be the end of it. But it would also be the end of people caring about that driver. Yeah, true. You would have to take him down with this. It's, Maybe Joe. Old Joe's too good of a person. He doesn't want to ruin that NASCAR driver whose name I've already forgotten. Uh, he doesn't want to end Brandon Brown. He doesn't want to end Brandon Brown's career. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's fine. I think that's understandable. I don't think that anything the right does. I mean. To give credit to the right, they did one thing that got a lot of traction, uh, which was QAnon. However, QAnon was an extremely, like, calorically expensive grift with thousands of actors, a completely unknowable conspiracy to the highest level of secrecy. It QAnon was very expensive, and it paid off in that it uh, ruined the world for the rest of our lives a little bit. Right. But and, that's and, like their one breakout hit. The rest are just pure, pure turds. And, you know, if you if you believe the, the theory that the documentary put out, it, it was all the machinations of one person's or two people, depending on how you read it, uh, their weird thirst for power and influence through a Japanese-based forum, which is yeah. to say, sad. Yeah, it's. Uh, and anytime you take the mask off this QAnon shit, it's just sad. Uh, yeah. But in terms of like things they've had that have actually had an effect, that very expensive, wide-ranging conspiracy theory did. 
but Let's Go Brandon isn't going to go anywhere. I would prefer for it just to be killed from everyone's imagination. It would be uh, great. But maybe it's better that these people get to have a little thing to giggle about in their sad little places. And then do you ever, just every once in a while, if you're on Twitter or something, you see like the end result of this insane right wing meme rock tumbler where you see like a Wojak talking to a soy jack and they've got like a thing super. Imp- it's it's this weird conglomeration of their different ideas into a thing that they seem to genuinely think is funny, but is completely incomprehensible. I I don't really see the comedic takes too often. Uh, More often I see the weird takes that they're trying to make stick. Like, uh, oh, did you hear? Dr. Fauci personally poisoned dogs with the vaccine and all of the dogs died and that's what he's trying to like i see the conspiracy theories more than i see like comedic stuff and then you you, any of it just takes like a quick google search to be like oh this they're taking some facts widely out of proportion dr fauci might have had a hand in funding a vaccine research thing that involved dogs, all of which that lived, none of which who died. And it was for the sole purpose of making sure the vaccine could roll out as quick as possible. That's what I see more often. Yeah. I mean, easily debunk conspiracy theories are their bread and butter. And I think once every three months or something, I'll see, some piece of right-wing comedy that's just completely incomprehensible. And to be honest with you, it just makes me feel bad for them. Like, you know, there was this Jon Stewart thing. There was this idea during the uh, peak years of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart where people kind of kept rubbing it in the right's face that they can't do comedy or art, which is largely true. Uh, you have like some pretty right wing people who have made some pretty good movies. Uh, but other than that, uh, I don't know that you could really point to much, but I think that it's just getting kind of (laughs) truer. Like I can think of maybe one or two kind of center right leaning people who have said one or two funny things in the last 10 years. I mean, yeah, Hey, some comedians play their politics closer to the to the best. Like um, maybe Norm Macdonald was more centrist or right leaning, and he said a ton of funny things, but he not about politics, so does it count? Yeah, I think that I think the second you bring politics into it, you just you can't make their politics funny because their politics are sad and desperate. And, and like the same, yeah. Left-leaning comedians who only do, like, politic jokes, I don't like either. Politics just, people are too entrenched in them, and they're not funny. (laughs) Yeah, I think kind of the, yeah, I I think that a good omnibus statement about this is politics isn't generally that funny of a matter. It really isn't. I mean, besides, like, the low bar hanging fruit, like, uh, what is that place called? Esther Follies, I think, does some politics shows that kind of just panhandle or, or pander, not panhandle, pander to like a wide demographic. And it's just like, 
caricatures and highlights. And it's like, I guess you think that's funny. And of course, Saturday Night Live does endless politic jokes. But really what they do is just parody real world events in a way they think is funny. But usually that's just in the cold open. And then they move on. And and I generally skip those cold opens. Politics just isn't that funny. Yeah, it's uh, it's just true. You know what is funny, Henry? What is funny, John? Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, uh, this, this comic strip. Oh, hold on. Before you do this hilarious transition. Damn it. uh, Just to end stamp this. Let's just hope. Let's go. Brandon dies on the vine. I was just a little bit affected by seeing it in person. Because that was like, I live in Austin. Come on. Like, we're supposed to be this bastion of, of, of not that but here we are oh every time every time i see like a right leaning sign or or anything in austin i'm like read the room get out of here right you don't see us and i say us you don't see the other side doing anything like that so what why do you think that's appropriate that should be on a banned book list yeah ban that ban that guy but you know what's funny, John? Oh? Your transition. Yes. Uh, by the way, it looks like uh, Prop A is continuing to fail, which uh, is great. That's great. Uh, weird to bring that up since we've never mentioned it on the podcast before. And we're talking about Austin. We are. I, I do appreciate the update, and that's great since I didn't get a chance to vote on it because apparently I'm now in a different city apparently you your city has a different name i was in a different city when i lived in that apartment i lived in and i still got to vote on the city of austin stuff oh weird really weird yeah it's weird to live in buda anyway uh you know what reminds me wait hold on there's a seven-year-old walking across my my apart my uh sidewalk i gotta go pull a gun on him better get him why am i making a joke about this tell me your funny transition before i People be people. I want to be clear. People having guns pointed at them can be hilarious. People being shot rarely is hilarious unless they're those people who shot themselves in the dick and balls to own the libs. And Henry, you know what's hilarious? Like someone shooting themselves in the dick and balls to own the libs. Uh, you mentioned a comic strip. I can only assume this is about family circus. Uh, no, Doonesbury. <laughs> Oh, okay. Marmadukes. Uh, Heathcliff? Oh, Heathcliff. Really good. Heathcliff, hilarious, yeah. Hagar the Horrible. No, we're in fact talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Old heads on the podcast will know that I am a little bit of an aficionado of the Garfaverse. Ooh, do tell. What, how, how far does the Garfaverse span? <laughs> oh, it has an incredible cast of characters. Uh, among them, Garfield the cat. Okay. Nermal. The other cat. Odie. The dog. John Arbuckle. The man. And that's about it. What about the and friends? Uh, that was more of the television show. And just to let you know, ever since uh, Garfield New 52, we don't consider <laughs> the television show canon. 
Before we get to your topic, I grew up with Garfield and Friends, the cartoon. Uh, did you ever watch it? Yeah, didn't it have like a farm? It was like a variety show. Like there were multiple cartoons in it, right? So there was a Garfield segment and then the end friends segment, which is like these barnyard friends. And the weird thing about the show is never the twain did meet. Yeah, they were they were friends, but from afar. Maybe if you watched the show long enough, you'd see how they were friends. Yeah, it's weird. It would be like if like Peanuts and um, hold on, Calvin and Hobbes had a show together, and it was called like you know Charlie Brown and and Calvin. I, I don't know his last name. Um, Clyde. Charlie Brown, Clyde. Yeah, Calvin Klein. <laughs> It would be like Clyde, um, Calvin, God, you missed me up. Calvin and Charlie Brown, that's the name of the show. Yeah. And then they never, ever interacted on screen together. It, it's, I feel like a lot of kids' shows did that. They played pretty fast and loose with the idea of and friends. Yeah. The and friends was always just like, these other characters that are drawn similarly, but have never appeared on the page with Garfield at all, ever. I think it's interesting that that word friends actually does a lot of heavy lifting that I'm not sure these shows ever really lived up to. Right. So I am familiar with the Garfaverse and those cast of characters. I do believe you – I don't know if she's ever named, but there's uh, – John Arbuckle sometimes has a romantic interest who uh, makes an appearance who looks just like him but is a woman. Yes. Uh, Jim Davis I think is the uh... – <laughs> J- is Jim Davis? <laughs> no, no, no. Jim Davis is the name of the person who makes Garfield, right? Yes, that's correct. But it was funny that it sounded like you were saying the author, the, the author of the comic strip, has a self interest as the love interest of 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 the yeah. owner of Garfield. It's a real dark tower situation. He uh, would, ne- yeah, he would never, he would never dream of picturing himself as the owner of Garfield. Never in a million years. He's not he's worthy. Not, he's, he's worthy not God. Of, yeah, he's not God, but he's worthy of dating God. And you're right. In in my telling you the characters of the Garfaverse, I was remiss in that there are. Uh, two prominent female characters, both Liz Wilson, uh, who is John Arbuckle's uh, romantic, sought-after yeah. romantic interest, and Arlene, right. the Lady Garfield. I did not know there was an Arlene. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, she was in Garfield and Friends, but only as a cameo. Interesting. Uh, Why are you bringing up America's favorite cat to me right now? Now, I think that uh, you might be interested in this, given the things we've talked about. There, There has been a Garfield movie in development for a number of years. Oh, the, uh, uh, the Coen brothers? Uh, no, not... Isn't it, like, written by a Coen or something? It's, it, um, it's, it's not the right what's not oh no no yeah it's a it's a c-o-h-e-n i think it's a yes it's a a cohen yes um but i do believe they the first so um the garfield movies that bill murray uh voiced garfield and he he always makes the joke that he thought he was working with the other cohen brothers oh very funny 
Uh, no, that was not the case. That movie was bad. But there's been a new Garfield movie in the works for quite some time. And we finally yeah. have, finally, a voice actor for Garfield. Oh, okay. So Garfield, we all know. He's the lazy cat. He likes his lasagna. He doesn't like Mondays. He he tries to kill the dog Odie. This is a very nuanced role full of very different personalities. So I'm sure they tapped a very capable capable voice actor uh, who is able to, to capture the persona of Garfield. I'm sure they tapped like a Phil Lamar or like a John DiMaggio, like an actual voice actor. And they didn't just go for a big celebrity. I'm willing to put all I own on that bet. Well, Henry, that bet, we'll see if it pays off, because you're absolutely right. You would imagine, given the pedigree of Garfield being voiced by, of course, Bill Murray uh, in in the most recent incarnation. He's a ghostbuster. But, of course, voiced maybe most importantly and most iconically by the number one Garfield voice actor. That's right. Say it with me. A Mr. Lorenzo Music. Uh, oh, I actually <laughs> know that name. I feel like... Who's Lorenzo Music besides the voice of Garfield? Uh, he was a voice in Darkwing Duck, The Real Ghostbusters. He was in the, on the Bob Newhart show, Rhoda. He's like a d- comedy guy. Yeah, no, um, I, I think I feel like I know him from Darkwing Duck. He, uh, I don't know who he voiced in Darkwing Duck. I'm sure I could find that, but I think it's the electric guy. You remember the electric guy? Oh, Buzz Duckyear. No, no, no. He was like a he was like a dog. He was named his name was like a electric guy. Electric dog. Hold on, I'm, this is more important than whenever you're going to reveal. <laughs> okay, he was Sergeant Dunder in Tailspin. Oh, I love Tailspin. Uh, looks like he was only Spider and Mole in Darkwing Duck. All right, never mind. Uh, but yes, he's been Garfield, most importantly. And- right. So, so yeah, Garfield, most famously voiced by a world-famous comedian and also a very famous voice actor slash uh, singer. His last name's Music. I assume he sings. You have to assume. Uh, so-, so, so, obviously, they would tap in, you know, Phil Lamar, uh, Tim Meadows, like these great voice actors. Tim Meadows, also a comedic actor who's appeared in person. Like that's got to be the voice of a Garfield. Garfield, one of those two. Yeah, and you know you'll be pleased that they also uh, cast a, a a veteran voice actor with a plethora of experience. One Chris Pratt. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want. I don't like this. I don't like it. It's Chris Pratt, everybody. You're telling me. You know Garfield, very low energy, very wry, very right. sardonic. Chris Pratt. Garfield, who famously is just one half step above Eeyore. Yes, he is. He is like a devilish Eeyore. <laughs> If I were to describe yeah. Garfield's personality. He is, a, a, he is yeah. an impish Eeyore. Chris Pratt. Yes, Chris Pratt, someone who is known uh, as being uh, dumb. <laughs> Not as a person, but as characters, typically. Uh, energetic, kind of yeah. high-pitched voice. Um, the Famous for being a tamer of raptors. 
famous for being a tamer of raptors in a good movie that everyone loves. I don't like it. I don't like that one, but yeah. Uh, neither do I. Um, I actually think Fallen Kingdom was slightly more interesting, but I don't. I not, not a huge fan of it. I gave up on the series before ever watching Fallen Kingdom. But my the point stands. Chris Pratt must have like seen a producer hit someone with their car or something. Right. Yeah, he must have something on the casting agent. That's not what they're called. The casting director. Excuse me. Sorry for getting that wrong. Uh, yeah, they, he must have something on a casting director because he's only ever voiced two movies and they were both Lego movies and he played this, well, he played two different characters in one of them. Um, but his have voice we- doesn't, he doesn't suit Mario. And if he doesn't suit Mario, he definitely doesn't suit Garfield. Yeah, these roles could not be more divergent from his type. Now, have we done any research to see if the casting director on Guardians of the Galaxy, the upcoming Super Mario movie, and Garfield are the same person? Because well, I, if that person like accidentally bumped into someone at a Panera Bread and that person fell down and cracked their head on a table and died and Chris Pratt saw it, Uh, nobody else saw it that could maybe explain what's happening well i I know for marvel it's the same casting director for every movie um but i don't think she's in i think she's just involved in marvel stuff this doesn't really play into your joke um but it's true (laughs) thank you for the fact i uh something must have happened Something must have happened. Either that or or we have... Something is happening right now where they are trying to do something to Chris Pratt, and I don't know what it is. So, so, uh, my, my, uh, so Jamie and I recently had a conversation about this um, because... It, um, so we watched 007, the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. And in that movie, Anna de Armas, phenomenal actress has a role where she's a badass with guns, kills people, looks really cool doing it, and, like, is overall, like, really awesome. And so that movie came out, and then a week later, it was announced that she's in talks to play the lead in the female-led spinoff of John Wick. Mm -hmm. And I made the joke that executives don't cast somebody until they see them in the role already doing the thing. Yes. Uh, and to quote myself, I was like, oh, Armadillarmus, she can hold a gun? I didn't know she was capable of that until I saw 007 in the theaters. Cast her straight away. Sounds about right. Uh, what I think is happening now is uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, the legendary game maker came on the screen during a Nintendo Direct and announced that Chris Pratt is the voice of Mario. And gamers being gamers did what they did and made fun of it endlessly, but it created enough buzz and hype to trend on Twitter and become mainstream news. And so executives who have not seen Chris Pratt in the Mario movie yet saw that Chris Pratt was voicing Mario and said, 
if he can voice legitimately the most famous plumber of all time, he's perfect for our lazy lasagna cat. I mean, I, I think it might even be simpler than that. I think they maybe saw the news, were dimly aware of who Chris Pratt is, completely obliv- oblivious to who Mario is, and they're like, oh, we don't have to think about this? We can just get this guy? Right. He He's how cheap? He, belie- he believes money is a sin because he believes in God? Get him right away. Get him immediately. Now, of course, you know for a fact this might also be in some ways a calculated PR move, a, a somewhat savvy move, because I can't think of any other way you'd get people to talk about a Garfield movie right now. You're absolutely right, because beyond, before this moment, when I learned that Chris Pratt was voicing Garfield, I and you said that it's been trying to be made for a while, I had no idea. Uh, y- years, apparently. Uh, what's funny is now, in the light of this news, I have learned that the script is written by David Reynolds, who wrote Finding Nemo. <laughs> Finding Nermal. Finding Nermal. And is being directed by Mark uh, Dendal, who directed Chicken Little. Uh, but this is notable because this duo was actually behind The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, that movie was good. That movie was... Um, it, it stood out because this was an era of Disney. It was right after like all of the, the classic Disney films and, and right before Disney started focusing on direct to, to video and DVD sequels, it, it stands alone in this weird original non-sequel in theaters movie that was actually very funny st- starring a cast of David Spade. Patrick Warburton, those uh, John Goodman. These are the names I know from the film. I'm sure there are more. I don't know who who voiced Isa. I want to say I know who it is. It's Wendy Malick. I know that for a fact. I, I want to look it up. I know it's Wendy Malick though, because um, she's phenomenal. Uh, but. It stands alone and then the sort of like after this movie, they stopped doing hand-drawn animatic movies until like Princess of the Frog, which was like the last one they ever did, which is to say um, her name's probably not Wendy Malick because that is a real estate agent. I was going to say that name is not familiar to me. Oh, no. Okay, I got to look up Owl House because she's in that. I'm thinking of Rami Malik. Yes. No, no her Mr. name is Robot. Wendy Malik. I just spelled it wrong. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll send you a, a Google. I'll send you a link. You, you, you're going to recognize her. Um, she's been a voice actress of late, but she was also in Just Shoot Me. Would you Would you be upset if I informed you that Yzma is not voiced by Wendy Malik? That would be hilarious. It's Eartha Kitt. Also a phenomenal actress. I'll never speak again. I mean, Eartha Kitt's fantastic. I'm sure Wendy Malick is fantastic as well. Why did I think it was Wendy Malick? I'll never... Don't click on the thing I sent you. Okay. (laughs) I I will not. It's Eartha Kitt. That's great. Yeah, Eartha Kitt's great. Why did I think it was Wendy Malick? We'll never know. The duo behind that movie is writing and directing this Garfield movie. So even though... I mean, one, I'm never going to see this movie. 
But even though uh, Chris Pratt is is in it, maybe it'll be good. Yeah, maybe it, it seems like they have things going for them, so that's good. Here's a here's a legitimate question. Not knowing anyone involved with the making of the film, you hear a Garfield movie is is coming out. Do you have any desire to see it? Uh, I'm gonna say. Okay, if we set this up against like a Tom and Jerry movie, which I have zero, like genuinely zero interest in seeing. Well, yeah, let's say a Tom and Jerry movie just came out. Yeah. And now a Garfield movie is coming out. I'd say I'm genuinely 5% interested and about 10% ironically interested in seeing a Garfield movie. So I'll say 15% interested. Yeah. So, so. Will you, would you act on a 15% interested to go see it in the theater? Uh, Probably not right now. However, right. with the Chris Pratt thing, that maybe is bumped up to 25%. Okay. I'll so say maybe that. it's a good move. Yeah. So maybe they bump it a little bit with Chris Pratt. But I, I think your 25% is even a little more generous for the general public. Garfield hasn't been relevant in years. Oh yeah, fifteen percent of that is just uh, me being a real Garf head, and also genuinely kind of liking the concept of Garfield, which right. I don't think most people can agree with. Well, and like, what, what, how does that translate to a movie? So it's gonna, it, like these all, all these other like adaptations, it's gonna be like this big world changing event for Garfield, like, uh, like they're moving to a new city or something like that, and then Garfield's gonna have to adapt to the move but then like he gets left behind at a gas station and now he's mm-hmm. gonna find his way back to john arbuckle and act in a way the character wouldn't act and then he finds a chaos emerald there's new characters introduced voiced by other comedians who try their best with the material but they just can't get it to work and then normal has a chaos emerald and then dr robetnik uh played of course by liz wilson <laughs> Who is John Arbuckle's love interest. Played by Wendy Malick. Played, of course. Eartha Kitt. Yeah. Eartha Kitt's great. Watch uh, the Owl House, John. It's uh, That's an Alex Hirsch joint, right? Uh, it's one. So you know how Adventure Time was led by Pendleton Ward, but then like everybody under Pendleton Ward got their own show? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alex Hirsch is the Disney version of Pendleton Ward. So it's somebody who helped on Gravity Falls. Alex Hirsch helped them get their own show. And he also voices two characters on the show. Oh, hell yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I co-sign it. I love magic. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. Uh, they're in the middle of season two. Uh, the rest of season two is going to premiere. Then there's going to be a season three full of specials. Then it got canceled. And oh, we're no. trying to save it. We're trying to save it. Hey. I you you could tell people how to save Owl House right now if you wanted to. Uh, use the hashtag Save the ho- Owl House. Save the Owl House on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter. Okay, I think right. I think our listeners can do that. Cool. I'm more excited about kids' animation shows than I'm excited about Chris Pratt voicing Garfield in a movie. You know, I, I don't think you're wrong for that. I feel like anyone who's genuine likes to have a Chris Pratt voicing Garfield in a movie is 
uh non-existent but if they are existent i think they're like a baby boomer the announcement that chris pratt is voicing garfield in a movie has the same energy as legendary game maker shigeru miyamoto coming on screen announcing that chris pratt is going to voice mario in a movie and that they want us to be excited that it's chris pratt more so excited that the movie's being made And, and uh, we don't work like that anymore. I, I know movie executives think that, oh, stars put butts in seats. We got to announce all the big stars in our movie to get butts in seats. No, I'm excited by storytelling. If you told me Chris Pratt was being voiced by Garfield and a, and a Chris, I'm going to I'm going to mess up their names, but Phil Lord, Christopher Miller. Yeah, Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller. If you told me this was a Lord and Miller joint, I would be peaked. My interest would be peaked. I, I I do want to be clear that the scenario you've set out is in which Lord and Miller are making a Chris Pratt movie in which Chris Pratt is voiced by Garfield. I, I said it wrong. Which is how you said it, and I want that. I want Lord. I want. I want like a being John Malkovich situation where it's a movie about Chris Pratt, where Lorenzo Music, rest in peace, died in August 2001, did not have to see what the world became. Um, oh. But I, I would like a Lorenzo Music voiced Chris Pratt directed by Lord and Miller. An Andy Kaufman joint. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, but yes, Andy oh, Kaufman. Sorry, the wrong Andy Kaufman. Kaufman is also coming back. Man, I'm just I'm I'm bad in a thousand with remembering who did what tonight. They're all coming back. Andy Kaufman, Wendy Malick, yeah, Charlie Kaufman. Kaufman. Yes, uh, there is no. Uh, I don't think there's a capper for the Garfield thing. It's funny, oh. uh, but well, I, I please we get we have one more bit of news to cover tonight, John. I also had one more bit of news to cover. I will cover mine and we'll talk about it for three seconds and talk about yours. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's because we just talked about Nintendo. I'm not going to have another opportunity. Are you, are you ready? I already said, I literally just said I'm ready. Okay. So. I hate it. Uh, did you know that Gary Bowser has just pled guilty to piracy charges following a a, a, a piracy inquiry pursuit by Nintendo of America? This is confusing to me. I, I know Nintendo of America is run by a Doug Bowser. Yes. Is Gary Bowser related to Doug? There are now three Bowsers in the mix. There is, of okay. course, Bowser, Mario's archenemy. There is Doug Bowser, uh, who's president of Nintendo? Uh, whatever Reggie Phil's Phil's position was, um, and then there yeah. is of course uh, Gary Bowser, a fifty-one-year-old hacker, uh, leader of Team Execute, which has been uh, pretty instrumental in a lot of piracy efforts for the Nintendo Switch. He pled guilty, uh, so now there are two Bowsers who are the enemy of Mario. So him pleading guilty, what is that going to result in? I don't is he gonna face prison time for for like home brewing a Nintendo Switch? Probably. I mean Oh, that uh, sucks. Yeah, Nintendo's pretty pretty shitty about emulation stuff. Anyway, I thought the Bowser thing was funny. You can talk about your thing now. That's pretty funny. I uh, I I mean, my condolences to Gary Bowser. Uh you shouldn't be punished for uh having that last name. 
Yeah, and don't punish people for trying to keep art alive. Absolutely. I, I, I agree to that. And to that end, no one should punish Sony for what their next move is. Oh, the Garfield movie? No. Are they behind the Garfield movie? They are. Oh, that's... I don't want to know that. <laughs> I, I mean, at least Spider-Man will be in it. Okay, so here's the roadmap that I saw. Um, Venom came out, John. Mm-hmm. And it did surprisingly okay. Are we talking about uh, Venom 2 Enter Sandman or first Venom? Well, this is just the timeline I saw. The okay. first Venom came out. Uh-huh, just Venom, Venom 1. Ven Wonum. Yeah, Ven Wonum. Tom Hardy. Weird voice. He always does it. It's fine. Also kind of came out as bi. Pretty cool. Um, Tom Hardy did, not Venom. Oh, well, uh, Ven- I mean, we knew that about Venom. <laughs> okay, we knew that about Venom. Anyway, that came out to find COVID hit. Um, Things got thrown into jeopardy. A Morbius movie was announced and then announced delayed and then announced delayed indefinitely. And in my mind, that's code for canceled. Uh, Then Venom 2 comes out and it has a 90-minute runtime. And it it seemed like they were just sort of dumping it and moving on with their lives. And the Venomverse was effectively canceled. That's what I thought, John. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought until today. (gasps) Today, inexplicably... The Morbius movie trailer dropped. Oh my god. Jared Leto is Morbius, the vampire nemesis of Spider-Man. This movie is coming out. And again, all signs point to the Venomverse being canceled. Is coming out January 28th, 2022. Ooh, soon. Very soon, too soon, and in January, the month where movies go to die. Now, what if we're setting up a universe where the Venomverse continues, but uh, it it just, it continues despite eternally trying to be killed. Like being put out in the movie graveyard of January, being shit out on screens at a 90 minute runtime. What if you can't kill the Venomverse? I agree 100%, John, and here's why. Marvel Studios and independent studios at the time picked May to release the first Iron Man. May. May is not a big movie month for those of you who don't know. Summer blockbusters were always sort of the cash cow for movies. A spring movie? That's May was nothing before Marvel Studios dropped Iron Man right at the end, right after graduation for high schoolers, right after school let out, spring break 3.0, if you will. And it revolutionized the movie market. From then on, every May, Marvel dropped another movie, then Disney acquired Marvel, and they kept the same strategy. I think Sony is trying to revolutionize movies again by including a shorter runtime. And also, they're trying to capitalize that January market. Listen, only an undead vampire can bring the death month of January to life. 
And, and this just plays all in Sony's favor. They're doing so many things no one's ever done before. They're focusing on the anti-heroes and the villains rather than the hero. They're building a universe around the adversaries until they get the rights to Spider-Man back after this last Spider-Man movie that's coming out in December. And then maybe they move forward. Maybe Tom Holland's there. Maybe not. Who knows? I don't know. I just know that they did not sign the rights over to Disney for Spider-Man whole hog. They want to, they want a slice of that action. They want a slice of the Morbius, the Sabretooth, No, the Craven, the Hunter, Craven, the Hunter, another movie that was announced and then went under the radar. Catwoman. Nope. Uh, her name is Black Cat. Black Cat. Uh, the the rest. Right. The Mysteri- rest of Mysterio. The- Jake Gyllenhaal. The really weird thing is that Vulture and Mysterio have appeared. Oh, you're right. And Disney <laughs> owned right. Marvel movies. You're right. They gave them Vulture and Mysterio. Uh, so that and I've heard I've heard carnage. some buzz about Doc Ock come coming back. Who knows? I don't know how much of the Sinister Six are in which com- studios movies. All I know is the Venomverse, as I've been calling it, as we've been calling it affectionately, refuses to die. And symbiote. Like, I just had a genuinely good idea. We won't talk about it too long, but if you're a, a Sony executive listening, uh, genuinely make like a funny, like, action comedy movie starring Electro and Rhino. Oh, what, what do you call it? I have no idea. Elect- you just like, you like the idea. So, who now when you say Electro and Rhino, these characters have appeared in movies previously. Do you want to bring back the actors? No, absolutely not. No Paul Giamatti? Well, maybe Paul Giamatti. He's got comedic chops. I could see that. No Jamie Foxx, then. Um, Jamie, actually, no, keep him the same. Actually, keep him I the same. He, I think he played Electro. I have no idea. I didn't. I never saw any of the Andrew Garfield movies. Me either. Uh, if if it's Jamie Foxx and Paul Giamatti, yes, keep him. Yeah, uh, bu- yeah a buddy film, Electro and Rhino, Jamie Foxx, Paul Giamatti, I think it writes itself. It really does. It, it, you'd have a real like Kevin Hart rock thing, except keep it away. Don't don't let those people be in it. Yeah, please. I mean, The Rock is playing Black Adam, so maybe he signed a contract to not appear in any Marvel movies. I don't know maybe. how WB works. But yes, that's a that's a free idea. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Spider Man. Spider Man. <laughs> I want the Venomverse to succeed, despite I've never seen any of the properties. Well, and I'm excited to, to see Morbius, Dawn of Morbius. It has to succeed because we've already made the promise that once the Fast and Furious oh, Cinematic God, Universe, right. the IFQ, once that wraps up, <laughs> we jump to the Venomverse. And we need a plethora of movies to carry us through at least a summer. How terribly on brand it would be if we said when the Fast and Furious movies are over, uh, we we will move on to the Venomverse. This happens maybe three years from now, and then we we have two Venom movies and Morbius to watch, and that's, and that's it. it. Hilarious. We've, we're on or bound. Three by our... years late, we talk about Morbius. I look a, a movie that was dumped in January, uh, possibly only on Hulu. That's my guess. <laughs> so good, Hulu original Morbius. 
Oh, man. You want to talk about the New Mutants anytime soon? No. Okay. That's the Morbius vibe I'm getting. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, Jared Leto is not a good person. Is he not a good person? I just know he's not a very good actor. He's got a weird cult of underage girls. Yikes. That's a, that's a, yeah, 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 yikes. Yeah. And uh, on that note, maybe we get out of here. Yeah. Before we slander the good name of Jared Leto anymore. Uh, yeah. Um, Oscar award winner, I believe for Texas Dallas Blyers club. I forget what it's called. Before we slander the name of the low point of Blade Runner 2049, uh, we should probably get out of here. Sounds good to me. And if you have any thoughts about any of the topics we discussed tonight, well, boy, howdy, do I have something for you. Because you can engage with us easily on Twitter.com. Just send us a tweet at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, and John will tell you what that stands for. That, of course, stands for Zorbius Porbius. Corbius, Warbius, Horbius, Jorbius. Zorbius, Corbius, zero credits, zero, Zorbius, Zorbius, Corbius, Porbius, Corbius, Warbius, Horbius, Jorbius. You did it. You did it right every time. Uh, we're also on an email. That's not how people say this. We have an email. If you want to send us something you want to discuss here on the podcast, we will read it. Send us an email to email at zerocredits.net and we will we will address that email to ourselves. Wait, whatever. We'll respond to it and read it on the podcast. Please do that. We're on a plethora of podcast uh, applications. I got like my nose is stuffy. We're on a plethora of podcast applications, including uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, Good Pods, etc. And a shout out to Good Pods for featuring us. Our 234th episode of the podcast was featured on Good Pods. And uh, thank you, Good Pods, for doing that. Check them out. They are an app not only for finding podcasts, but also for listening to podcasts. And uh, the app's pretty all right. So it's got our stamp of approval. Why don't you check it out? Uh, we're also, that's it. Uh, just, hey, here from here on out, every time you see a person in public in a human space uh, called the public, tell people to listen to our podcast. Hey, hey, this is what I've been listening to. You know what? Fuck what you're into. What, what I'm into is better. Zero credits, the podcast. Tell people that. Because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. Indeed. Now, I have not seen the Morbius trailer, but apparently the phrases some form of bat radar uh, is is mentioned in the trailer. So I'm so excited. It's Morbius. It's <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, it, it's Morbius and from everyone here. At the Zero Credits Morbius, we want to wish you a happy week. Boy, Dewey, ladies and gentlemen, it's Morbius. Goodbye. Goodbye.